This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest, the podcast which brings you reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema and instead went straight to DVD, Blu-ray or streaming media. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me this week are Richard Hawes. Hello, everybody. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello, everyone. And this week, we're going to be looking at our very first Nick Cage film of the year. I'm sure it's not going to be the last, called Willy's Wonderland. Uh, then we're going to look at the remake slash reboot of Wrong Turn. Our short shot this week is called Hopkins. And then we're going to go with an incredible cast into the grisly maze. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first review then is Willy's Wonderland. A stoic drifter gets waylaid in a small town and in order to get his car fixed has to work a night as a janitor at Willy's Wonderland, a derelict family restaurant with animatronic animals. As the drifter works hard at cleaning up the place, it's about to unleash its dark secrets. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, I think right off the bat, guys, this is one of um, Nick Cage's best films for quite a while. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It is very, very inventive. Now, now let's 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 um, cut to the chase. <clears throat> um, this is very much based on a, um, a sort of cultish video game called Five Nights at Freddy's. I say cultish because it wasn't released by any of the major sort of game companies. It was only available online um, through sort of very sort of dodgy um, pay pay sites and things. Um, mm. And my, my, funny enough, my son was very obsessed with the, everything about yeah. the game except the game itself. He never actually played the game, but he knew all about it. He watched all these YouTube videos about, um, you know, walkthroughs and all the rest of it. Um, but he would never actually play the game. So when, when, when I got hold of this, I go, oh, Josh, I've got a film that's based on Five Nights at Freddy's. He went, no! So the setup here is very similar to that game in that there's a sort of rundown restaurant with animatronic animals which come to life during the night. Um, the reasons for that are, I'm sure, quite different to what the game was. Um, and our sort of hero is very much different to anything any gamer could, could, could have dreamt up because this is one of some Nick Cage's coolest characters. And he, he does it without saying a fucking word throughout the whole film. I was waiting for him to drop, you know, even just one word, just one word at some point. But no, that you know, that they, they stick to the guns and just keep him silent throughout, which I thought was a great move. Um, yeah, this is just a lot of fun from start to finish. Um, Steve, I know you were very keen to see this. So what did you think of the actual film? Um, I was slightly disappointed, to be fair, but I think what you enjoyed, I didn't, in a way. Um, okay. The Nicolas Cage thing, it it annoyed me. There's no... What annoyed me about the film is there's no backstory to anyone, really. Especially Nicolas Cage. He drives into the town, gets gets his car busted up, has to work in this, this restaurant overnight, and that's it. There's no... Why was he there? Why is he expecting this to happen? Because he just gets on with it beats the shit out of some robots and then carries on cleaning. It just didn't, you know <laughs> what I mean? I wanted something a bit more 
and I know it's just a little bit of batshit insanity and stuff like that, but there's, like you say, Five Nights at Freddy's, there's videos on YouTube that go into more fan theories than this had all the way through it. You know. Okay. Uh, Rich, do you want to jump in at this point? Yeah, the um, I, I'll go back to Nicolas Cage's character and... I was surprised. I mean, I wasn't sure whether we were going to actually mention whether he speaks on or not in, in the film because um, mm. it's kind of a big thing. You're kind of waiting for like a big rant or a big, you know, big something from him and you just never get it. So it, mm. it's what's interesting is that the film doesn't do what you think it's going to do. Mm. Yeah, And if anything, it's a why it's 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 not the wild cage performance that you might have expected in yes. this setup. Yeah. And what you get is the opposite of that. Uh, and for me, uh, that works really well because he, he was still, you know, he, but he was... He's he was still, still in the cage. Yeah, he's he was still in the cage. Yeah. still weird, but he was underplaying it. Hmm. And the more I thought about it afterwards, the more I thought, I, I'm, this is just like a fan theory kind of thing, but hmm. is he playing it is his car- or, or have they written that? Is the character supposed to be the coolest autistic person ever? Because he's non- he's nonverbal, basically. Yeah, he's, he's very he's rude. Slave, slave to his routine. Slave to his routine, as mm. a drink every time his alarm goes off and everything. And he's completely unfazed by anything bizarre that goes on. And he just get you know goes back to what he's doing if you know whatever fits in his routine. So. That that was that was the sort of logic that I came up with for that. The other thing was we, without um, wishing to spoil it again, there's kind of, I think his character is also inspired by Western heroes. Mm. So he rides in yeah. uh, at the start of the movie on, you know, this is something that's been done in various other movies, but, you know, he basically rides in on his horse, on his Mustang or whatever it is that he's driving and, uh, and you know, lands in a one one horse town or whatever, you know, that kind of mm. thing. It's, it's like yeah, a very yeah. small yeah. Place. He's stuck there. Yeah. He gets into the situation uh, and stuff. And I, I think, you know, that it plays with conventions and stuff quite nicely. It, it is, uh, you, you, you've mentioned five nights at Freddy's that was previously the touchstone for the banana splits movie, which was yeah. two years ago, yeah. which was unfortunately I still haven't seen, but looks very similar. It's also kiddie, you know, Animat- or animatronic or people dress up in costumes, whatever it is, going crazy mm. and killing people. So it's that it's that juxtaposition of the the kiddie stuff and and the horror. And to an extent, you know, this the concept of this movie is basically child's play, but like multiplied. Uh, yeah. The but yeah, I thought you know it, get, it gets off. I mean, where else are you going to see Nicolas Cage beating the crap out of a, a, an animatronic ostrich? <laughs> <laughs> That price of admission alone for that. I I mean, it is fun, but I just think I expected a bit more insanity. You know, some a bit more craziness. I I don't know. It just didn't reach the heights that I wanted it to, in a way. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think also the the they introduced the teen horror aspect, and they they go in. The whole thing is they basically get themselves killed. To, to look up to try and save Nicolas Cage and he doesn't care. <laughs> He's not bothered. Yeah. 
about any of it and uh oh. so that's quite funny so they know that they're like oh no we can't go in there we'll get killed <laughs> and then they obviously they then do it yeah <laughs> and, uh, yeah there's that sort of like almost self-awareness that they're in a horror movie but are sort of like you know stuck to actually following the constraints of a horror movie at the same time yeah so, and i really like yeah. the the main you know the final girl character mm. i really liked her she was um she was quite captivating, you know. We see it. she's got these quite intense eyes and stuff to sort of, you know, draw you into her character. Uh, uh, when you meet her, you don't really know what's what. There's some revelations later. That was all nicely played. We got Beth Grant in there as the 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 sheriff mm. uh, of of the of the town. It was a great casting, you know, for her. I mean, she's been around for a long time and she's quite a mature lady. So it's a really tough. It's a tough yeah. old bird character you know, <laughs> yeah. wishing to be sexist or anything but you know she's she's got that she's kind of like that francis mcdormand fargo kind of character but like gone off the deep end a bit yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's that old staple which you know we talked about before is you know sort of people doing evil things for the greater good you know um kind of thing um yeah, my my favourite scene in in the film actually was when Nick Cage is dancing while he's um, playing pinball. That that was superb and a great a great song with it yeah. as well. Um, but um, I, I, the one thing that did disappoint me a bit was the actual backstory for for uh, Willy's Wonderland. Mm-hmm. You know I, I, that that sort of like um, you know possessed creatures kind of kind of thing. I, I was hoping for something a bit more sort of humanly evil. Uh, you know. But it was like no. so. You th- so you think a bit more child's play remake rather than child's play original? Yeah, you know, mm. it's it's like right at the beginning. It, you know, when when um his his car basically run, runs over these sort of road spikes which have been mm. left out, and yeah. and he just sort of has he's just waiting and waiting, waiting for someone to turn up because he's you know obviously those road spikes belong to somebody. Someone's going to come along, and I'm thinking, okay, this is obviously a scam set up by some guy. You know, by the um, sort of road recovery um, garage to sort of get more custom. You know, and mm-hmm. I, was ex- I was I was really expecting Nicholas Cage to beat the shit out of this guy when he turned up, but he doesn't. You know, he doesn't. Maybe even thinking maybe he hasn't put two and two together. But and then it turns out the road spikes belong to the sheriff because they're they're um, you know part of the police um, equipment. So maybe I'm thinking uh, maybe they just left them out by accident after some high-speed chase or something but um yeah and then of course you meet the the guy who owns the place mm-hmm. and you know the fact they sort of lock him in and all that sort of stuff and, but yeah I, I was sort of expecting it to be you know them to be sort of the chief villains rather than what we actually get so i was i was just sort of taking it back a little bit going mm, okay but other than that I think this is superb. I think I think the way it's shot as well, um, it's, it's very colourful. Lots of lens flares. It's almost as if they got um, what's his face who did Star Trek? JJ Abrams. JJ Abrams in there. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of lens flares, especially when he's playing pinball. Um, yeah. But no, I, I, I just thought this was a lot of fun. What do you think about the um, the creatures, the the animatronics themselves, and the way they're presented as they're, they're kind of run down and a bit naff looking and you know mm. people in costumes mm. for, the, for the most part yeah i mean yeah. The, the one that really sort of stands out is the the fairy one there's um sonic susan i think or something like that mm-hmm. yeah um 
you know, she, she she's the one who sort of really stands out amongst them. Uh, I thought, she, you know, that was really creepy. The, the others are sort of like, yeah, very sort of banana split sea kind of kind of um, yeah, fun fun costumes. But good you good sort of gory the, effects as well. Yeah, did you enjoy the the back, the fight scenes? You know, the, mm. the, the they were the really done well. See, yeah. See, to me, they were kind of over a little bit quick. You know, I expected a bit. This is what I mean. I expected just expected more from it. It's well. The thing is, there's, there's eight characters. So there's eight, 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 eight of these animatronic characters. So, so yeah. you know, if, if you're going to draw out each fight, it's going to be a you know, the film's going to outstay its welcome. Mm. I think. So, so I think mean, yeah, maybe some could have been longer than others, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, good fun. Yeah, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, It'd be interesting to sort of you know take the character uh, or the characters and, and see what happens next because because they've established the fact that this is a sort of um, a world where the supernatural can exist, you know. So yeah, what's next? You know, they get to the next town. You know, what's next? That would be really interesting. I think this was a dream job for Cage because he didn't have to learn any lines <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> And it was—it must have just been kind of a walk in the park for him to just have just such a, a physical uh, performance. And I think it really works. Myself, I, th- I think that's one of the one of the great strengths is that they that they don't mm. need to give him dialogue because that was, his character was was strong enough, you know, in, in novel enough to carry it in that sort of. I, I was trying to think of examples of is there a, like a western where the main Western hero never says anything. And I, there, there possibly is, but I couldn't come up with any examples. I'm, I'm sure there have been, I mean, Soldier with Kurt Russell is mm. one I always think mm. of as like a mute hero. But uh, I mean, even he, even he in that oh. film does have a couple of lines. The only one I can think of, it's not really Western, but there was a mute witness. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, but that's kind of established that she's mute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> a little bit different. That's what I mean. Yeah. A protagonist who does, who, you know, doesn't sure. speak at all. Yeah, I was thinking like you know, um, like hero characters. You know, mm. I'm sure, I'm sure it must have been done, but I thought it, yeah, I thought it was. Mm. I thought the whole film. I mean, the film itself is clearly made on quite a modest budget. It's got very limited locations and stuff, but there's what like three locations. There's yeah. like exteriors. Yeah, uh, there's the inside of Willie's. There's a the garage. That's basically and a, and a trailer, it. Trailer, trailer, yeah. trailer park, yeah. Mm. So the, those, really, I, I thought they, they did a really good job, and it's uh, quite. It's like an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I can't. I, I couldn't fault it. Very entertaining. Made me want to check out the Banana Smiths movie. I'm going to give it eight out of ten. I'm also going to give it an eight out of ten. Um, even even though, as I said, you know, the backstory didn't quite grab me. You know, otherwise it might have scored a bit higher. But um, yeah, a solid eight, definitely. And uh, I'm going to go a six. I did enjoy bits of it, but the, the just mm. as a whole, didn't quite gel with me. Two eights and a six for Willy's Wonderland. Our next review is Wrong Turn. When six young hikers wander off the Appalachian Trail, they run afoul of a secluded community. Also known as, six hipster yuppies get exactly what's coming to them. (laughs) So this is um, 
a reboot, rehash of the idea, the concept behind the film, which originally starred Eliza Dushku and some guy, I can't remember. Desmond Harrington. Desmond Harrington. Oh, yeah. Um, I, 2003. I, yeah, I love that film. And it's that film started an obsession with me, with the idea of what happens next to the final girl. Because in the original version of Wrong Turn, there's a scene at the end where they turn up at the, the gas station where the, they took the wrong turn in the first place. And there's a map and they sort of tear it off the wall. And the, the look between the two characters who survived, you know, you just need to look at them and go, yeah, these, these people have been through shit. You know, mm. they, they've, they've seen stuff and come out the other side and, and you know, sort of so stronger and tougher for it and it's like well what happens to them next you know what what how, how are they going to sort of cope getting back into the world and all the rest of it anyway that's a big digression uh diversion a, a wrong turn a wrong turn. Wrong turn. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got there it was a long walk but um so so this um takes that sort of basic idea of like you know sort of campers out in the um you know in the wilds of, of america and running afoul of um sort of the locals shall we say um but it takes a very different route um in the original one we had a, a group of sort of redneck inbred cannibals basically um sort of murdering and eating anyone who got too close to them this one has an actual community with an articulate leader and you know okay sort of very primitive and barbaric rules and regulations but they are rules and regulations that you know this this community follows and and a lot of what happens in the film is basically the protagonist's fault you know these fucking hikers if if they'd you know maybe had a bit more of an open mind to begin with and you know actually did what people told them and stuck to the trail instead of like wandering off to find some stupid fort or something. And, and I've got sort of like beef with that as well, because that particular character, is it Darius? Yeah. The black guy. He yeah. was fucking shady as hell when he's talking about, you know, um, they, they get to a certain point and they're like, I think we're lost or something. And he's going, oh, uh, maybe you guys should go back and I'll go back, I'll carry on alone. And I'm thinking, why would you do that, Darius? What What are you really here for? And I'm thinking, you know, is, is someone sort of told him there's like a weed farm out there or something that you, you know? But um, it, it was it, it just seemed like really weird and dodgy <clears throat> at that point. But anyway, I digress. Um, I really did enjoy this. I really did. Uh, it's directed by Mike P. Nelson, um, who also did uh, another favorite of mine called The Domestics. Have either of you seen that one yet? Yeah, yeah, we 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 the talked name about it. Rings a bell. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah, it's one good. of my, it's one of my favourite um, sort of post-apocalyptic Mad Max style films. Um, it, it's it's really good, very violent as well as this is. So yeah, I I I, I really enjoyed this. I, I like the sort of directions this went in. Um, Rich, what did you make of uh, this remake, re rehash, reboot, or whatever we're going to call it? Yeah, it it took me really by surprise because I I was I was expecting that it would i was expecting that it would be very similar to the uh, the original film and possibly you know the, the the share the concept of the five sequels the mm. five dtv sequels mm. that followed it yep and it really doesn't that it it uses aspects as touchstones so it may it's kind of one of those 
it's a it's kind of one of those remakes that's that does its own thing mm. so it's yes we've got a bunch of young people in the woods falling afoul of uh, a threat and the uh, um, uh, sort of novel uh, traps and things that they get caught in or whatever but apart from that it's completely different and it's a much um it's a much more mature film with a lot more to to ponder and think about i think you know it's it we when the film starts it's not with the young people i mean in the first film it was desmond harrington and then he met up with the other younger people um uh but in this one it's matthew modine who's you know uh how old are, i don't know in his 50s or or something and we spent mm. Go on. I think he's in Go his sixties. <laughs> yeah, sixties. Yeah, I think I was thinking he must be quite old because he was he was young in the in, in the eighties, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's still got quite a, he's still got a young daughter in this. But the so we spend quite a lot of time with him before we get. To, so he's looking for his daughter who's gone missing. Then you know we flash back or whatever and, and meet up with the young people. They arrive in town. They get warned. It's a completely different concept because. Mm the the central idea of the first one was literally taking a wrong turn as in the the, the way it's referred to in taking a wrong turn is in your vehicle yeah. <laughs> uh in this one they don't it's completely you could the the original title for the film was wrong turn or one of them was wrong turn the foundation and mm. had they not wanted to you know exploit the brand recognition of wrong turn I think they should have just called it the foundation would have made yeah. it would have made much more sense. Yeah. But because it's got those other elements from the original, um, you, I can kind of understand why they would have to sort of acknowledge it. And uh, yeah, it goes on. It, it handles the material in a completely different way. As you say, it's all about it, once you get past the, the initial uh, attacks, mm. it's being taken into this community, but you know, being, you know, subject to them, uh, there's uh, you know, trying to escape from that situation and dealing with it and dealing with their ideas. And in, in between that, we spent we're going back and forth with the father figure. Sorry, with the father who's then on his own, continuing his search and things intersect at the end. It's a much longer involved story. And when I started to watch it, it was like an hour, a hundred minutes. And I thought, wow, that's really long because the first one, what you remember, one of the things you remember most is its brevity. It yeah, was it, it, it uh, quite quick. Yeah. It, yeah. it cuts all the bullshit. It's like, yeah, oh, you know, the car accident happens within five minutes, you know, yeah. to get things going. Now, did either of you two um, flash back to Tucker and Dale versus evil? Yeah. That's, <laughs> this is, this is again, my argument. This is not one film. It's five different films in different pieces. Slammed okay. together. Um, again, I was quite excited to watch this. I thought it was going to be quite good. It's too long. It goes, like you say, it starts off with your standard yuppies walking through the jungle. Then it goes to like Tucker versus Dale. Then it goes to something like the prisoner. Or the village or... Oh, yeah, or, yeah, the village, something like that. Or And then into the strangers at the end, it was just... Too, I think they cr tried cramming too much in and it was far too long. Um, it looked great. I thought it was shot really well. 
Yeah, and um, I think um, ph pharmacies were great. Yeah, whoever was the location <laughs> count for this film, sorry, the location scout for this film, I hope they bought them a, um, a decent pint after at the end of it because oh he yeah, found yeah. some damn good, you know, some scenery mm. and all sorts. Yeah, for this one. Do you know I've if seen... it was supposed to be Virginia, the same as the first one? Yeah, it was. It's set on the Appalachian Trail. Mm -hmm. Right. So, okay. So yeah, it's that side of the country, I believe. Mm. So it could be that the the you could even say that, arguably, that they're taking place in the same universe, but just a, a different situ a different situation. So they, you could say that if you wanted to, mm. but it's yeah. uh, it's apart from that, it's I say quite tenuously, probably not. You know, it's an it's what it's almost an in name only. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 yeah, it's nothing. Nothing. Can, well, I mean, I only saw the first one to be fair, but. It's nothing compared to that because, like you say, it's short, straight in. You know what you're getting. Slasher movie, done, dusted. You know your final girls, blah blah blah, all sorted. With this, you've got many, many different layers. I know what you're saying about yeah, the multiple, you know yeah. throwing five different films. I completely get what you're saying there. There is there is uh, one area which I think is a bit of a a bit of a plot hole. Um, there's a brilliant set piece involving a tree log, which yeah. um, takes out one of them in in quite grisly fashion. You know, the f first kill basically. It's, it's mm -hmm. superb. When they sort of get to the sort of trial bit, and we get to that sort of tuck, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil kind of situation, where it's like a huge misunderstanding has led them to this point. Yeah. No, none of them sort of go, yeah, but what about the fucking log? <laughs> That didn't roll down that yeah. hill by itself, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you sort of say that, you know, you're the injured party, <laughs> but, you know, pretty sure you guys set that log off. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, oh, we were hunting. I mean, again, the, the other plot hole for me as well is when the, some people finally escape from this mm. village or whatever, and they're going through that tunnel with the, uh, not monsters in, but, you know, mm -hmm. persecuted people in. How have they not found their way out of the same place? <laughs> they've, they've apparently been stuck in there for that long. Mm. But if they just, I don't know, carried on feeling the wall a bit further, they'd have got out. And stumbled to their deaths, probably. But... Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it just... And, and the ending, this again, two different films in the last five minutes. <laughs> and I know, I know it's kind of like a dream sequence and a flashback, but again, another thing that, that annoys me about films is when it doesn't finish until halfway through the credits, if you know what I mean. Because <laughs> I was tempted to, well, credits start rolling, right, I'm at, oh, hang on. <laughs> I'd better watch this last little bit. And yeah. I had to because it's I don't it want to spoil, yeah, too don't, overblown. Yeah, don't want to spoil anything about that ending. But no, there's, no, a no. there's a certain character who's outside of the when when she comes outside, and there's like yeah. about five or six people outside the Winnebago, and there's a particular character who stands out, and mm -hmm. presumably, presumably that person met a sort of sticky end, you know, in in that sort of final sequence. You know, with, with absolutely no qualms at all, you know, from from the protagonist, it's like, okay, interesting. 
Oh, I'm uh, gone. Was he there? No, I'm not. I'm pretty sure. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you mean. (laughs) Right. Yeah, let's get a bit too spoilery. So I'm not going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just to check. Just to check. Did you continue watching when the credits were rolling? Yes, that's what we're talking about. Oh, okay. No, I just wanted. I wasn't. I wasn't sure. Again, we'll we'll maybe talk about that in a sec. Anyway, let's let's (laughs) get on with the scores. Um, So. I thoroughly enjoyed this uh, for the most part. I think it was a bit slow to get going. And, and, and I, that, sort of, that was the comparison I kept going back to was the original film and how quickly that got to the point of these guys are in trouble. Um, you know, he meets up with sort of Liza Dushka and her family and stuff, and then they get to the farmhouse and that's where it all starts going down. You know, it, it's, it's pretty quick in its storytelling. This it sort of establishes the uh, the prejudices of the group and you know it sort of tries to sort of give us a bit of backstory and that sort of thing so perhaps we might care about them later on but it it, it did sort of like give it a bit of a, a jumpy start i thought but so overall i'm giving this a seven out of ten rich uh yeah i think i have some reservations about the multi-faceted you know the way it's been put together, like like Steve was saying. But I thought mm. it it was a real pleasant surprise. I think if you if you've never seen the original, you'll get something out of it. If you want, if you even if you've seen the original, you'll you'll get something out of it. I think it'll be great. You know, it it'll be good to do a double bill with both of them. I actually rewatched the original Wrong Turn uh, for, uh, last night, and they're such completely different movies. Play it so com- you know so differently mm. that you the the it's really interesting to see what they've done. Uh, this isn't a visual effects showcase for Stan Winston or anything like that. This, you know, this is mm. much more about the characters and, and the, the concepts and stuff. They're into, you know, basically we're finding a, a bunch of people who are basically, it's like lost, mm. you know, the, the, the others yeah. in lost is yeah. that kind of thing or something. Um, so I think there's enough that's really interesting about it. Uh, there's a sort of a, uh, curious way that it pays pays off at the end with uh playing some little tricks on us and stuff which um, again i sort of have some reservations but yeah seven out of ten i'd go for on that and steve uh i'm gonna go six again okay two sixes no wrong one six and two <laughs> sevens I, I can't add up now okay <laughs> let me do that again two sevens and a six for wrong turn Our short shot this week is Hopkins. Uh, following on from the film uh, Commando Ninja, this finds Hopkins back stateside in 1978 in New York, hallucinating about Viet Cong r- roaming the alleyways. Or is he? Dot, 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 dot. So um, this follows on from another sort of film you can find on YouTube called Commando Ninja, uh, which is about 100, no, one hour, eight minutes, I believe it is. Um, mm-hmm. Which in itself is a lot of fun, very well made. Um, this is very much a, a pastiche of a Taxi Driver. Yeah, it's, it's very much sort of riffing on on the character of Max Cady. No, no, no not Max Cady. That's bloody. Um, <laughs> that's Cady. Fear that last. Cape Fear. Alex um, Bickle. Alex Travels Bickle. Of course it is. Sorry, bloody De Niro. Stuck in my head. <laughs> and um, you know he's even got that sort of like the same sort of jacket. That, that um, Travis wears and the same sort of dialogue in his head. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I thought this was great fun, actually, you know, sort of re really well done, very well lit. Um, yeah, the, you know, the, the dangerous streets of New York back in the 70s, it really sort of fit together. Um, uh, Rich, what do you make of this one? Yeah, I thought it was interesting because the com Commando Ninja's got lots of very, uh, very, it's a full on kind of spoof. There's lots of upfront, you know, comical moments and jokes and stuff. And this taking place in the same universe is not that it's very straight, very dark for the most part. There's, there's humorous, darkly humorous elements, but it's tonally completely different, which, which was really interesting. I think the, uh, the being a pastiche or of of taxi driver and to an extent uh, the exterminator and other sort of vigilante movies of that time was very well done the the film's unusual in that it's there's no diet well not a lot of dialogue scenes mm. and most of it mm. is is uh, a narration by uh, by hopkins so we're it's a montage of sequences of scenes and footage and, and of him going around and expressing his thoughts and feelings on various subjects and uh so it's it's it considering that's what it is for the most part it, it's an 18 minute film about that yeah about 18 minutes uh considering the structure of it i thought it was very you know very well paced very well handled uh, for not having any sort of real narrative momentum it's all more about it's more about his character than anything else and you're just spending time with his character and then a little bit of it being introduced to set up what will be commando ninja 2. Mm -hmm. uh, steve uh, what do you think of this one um i enjoyed it actually it was like you say it's very like a pastiche of Saxi Driver, you know, you've even got the in the mirror with the gunshot and then everything like that. Um, I wasn't aware that it was <clears throat> like a bridge between, was it something ninja? Commando Ninja, yeah. Commando Ninja, yeah, I wasn't aware of that or anything, just watched it on its own, standalone as it was. And yeah, I, I did like the, um, the narration aspects of it. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was quite different. And works very well. Uh, it was just the um, is he hallucinating? Isn't he hallucinating? And then the ending I thought was quite strange. <laughs> um, you know, just the when he kind of does well, yeah, what, what he does, and then it just cuts to the car, you know, hmm. on the road. I'm you see that that was an interesting bit because. If it wasn't for the fact it comes up at the end that, you know, um, stay tuned for Commander Ninja 2, I would have thought that that whole end bit was inside his head and was him hallucinating, you know, mm. the idea of getting back uh, into the military and stuff. It's like, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. But like yeah. I say, I've not seen anything before or the mm. sequel or whatever. So I just thought it was standalone. Yeah. Rich, you sound like you were going to interject there. Uh, no, I was, uh, I think, what was I going to say? Something about the, uh, I was just curious about, because uh, Steve hasn't seen Commando Ninja, um, he probably didn't realise that the production was French. Mm, yes, and, and being dubbed into English, yeah. Yeah, and the only sort of giveaway oh, okay. to that really is the, the, the homeless bum character. Mm, yeah, who's, yeah I, I did wonder what was going on there. 
Is it? I went. It kind of looked like the words are matching. It just seemed a little bit out of the sync. So I thought it might have been because I was streaming it from my phone to the TV. <laughs> I couldn't, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, the, the, the guy who makes it, uh, Benjamin Combs, uh, I think I'd uh, say Commando Ninja uh, was the original one. And the whole film is dubbed. So right. there's, there's no American, so it's supposed to be an American movie, but it, mm. it's everyone's dubbed accent. It's more like a one of like an old Italian action. Like a or something. Yeah, mm. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. And what he did was he released different versions with different dub tracks. So they could because yeah. the, because the because it was all based on dubbing, they could just make multiple versions, and and it doesn't it, the film feels the same, which was a, a clever yeah. sort of way to approach it. Whereas something like yeah. um, I think did you watch Cyborg, uh, Deadly Machine? Yes. yes. Yeah. So I think that one was more more typical, more made in a more typical style. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah, I thought they, 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 those two are quite interesting very similar and they sort of work well together but this this is such a left field kind of approach they've done it there's going to be a comic book as well i just heard a commando ninja comic all about the dinosaurs uh, in vietnam and stuff like that so yeah it's a it's a it's a universe that's very uh, very interesting very i mean we've got other, other cinema i mean look at the mcu some of the films are really really silly and others are really, really serious. So it's yeah. kind of you know, Star Wars and whatever. They all do this kind of thing. And I think you know, trying here. When is you really said good. when you said dinosaurs, did you mean actual dinosaurs in Vietnam? Yeah, dinosaurs in Vietnam. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> that's how silly, that's how silly the that's how silly the yeah, first Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they fight right. they fight velociraptors in uh, in 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 the in the Viet in, uh, as well as the Viet Cong. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> did we cover that on a? On the on the show, I can't remember. We did indeed, we did, yeah. yeah. We we did really like it. We we just thought yeah. it went a step too far with the futuristic yeah. stuff at the end. Yeah, I think that was before I joined. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we don't score the shorts, but we will uh, put the link into the footnotes. And why, what the hell, we'll put it with the link for um, Commander Ninja in there as well. So that is uh, Hopkins. Check it out. <laughs> Our DTV throwback this week is Into the Grizzly Maze. Uh, Two estranged brothers reunite at their childhood home in the Alaskan wild and set out on a two-day hike but are stalked by an unrelenting grizzly bear. Um, Okay, so this has got a cast to die for 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 DTV. Um, So we've got James Marsden and... um, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. Billy Bob Thornton. Indeed. Piper Parabo. I was a big fan yeah. of um, Covert Affairs. Um, and Mr. Scott Glenn. And Scott Glenn turning up as well. Yeah, absolutely superb. Um, and, and it is a very handsome film. It's like, I think it's got really good production values. Um, and, and the bear as well. They, they go, For the most part, if not all of it, um, they actually use a trained bear, don't they, for, for a lot of, lot of the Seems to, yeah. Up to the end. Up to the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be difficult to pull off. That would be yeah. difficult to pull off. You know, to put put that guy's head inside the bear's mouth and say, <laughs> "No, bear, don't bite." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's Billy Bob Thornton and he tastes nice, but you know, don't do it. But anyway, um, I'm gonna chip. I'm gonna trim that bit out. Um, no, <laughs> but yeah, yeah so Scott, God. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was great. 
um, it's, it's been a while since I've seen it, admittedly. So you guys have seen it um, more recently. How did you find it, uh, Steve? Uh, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed this. Um, you know, you've got your two estranged brothers coming back together to fight a common enemy. You know, obviously it's a bear, not like a gang of gangsters or anything this time. But um, I thought the, the production itself was really well shot. But I think there's, it seems to be mainly all practical, apart from a couple of CGI scenes at the end, which weren't great, but didn't detract from the film itself. But performance is brilliant. Um, I do like James Miles, and I think he's very underrated. Yeah. To be fair, uh, a lot of people think, "Oh, it's a boring Cyclops or whatever." But if you see him in stuff like um, Sex Drive, I'm sure he's in that. Mm. Um, playing the older brother, he's really funny, and I think he's really charming. I think he's, like I say, very underrated. Um, Thomas James just. Again, quite understated in this one. He's not he's not too overblown. Um, Scott Glenn. It's just Scott Glenn, basically. But... <laughs> he's basically playing Bobby... the same character he played in, in Firestorm. Oh, yeah, Firestorm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you've got Bill Bob Thornton, who, who, again, a little bit eccentric, but he's a bit of a dick, but he's not in a way. Mm. Because... Because you know, he's right their... for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've got the perceptions that, yeah, you're a bit of a prick, mate. Just do one. We'll, we'll deal with this. And he comes through at the end and he know he does know what he's on about. But, yeah, it's, it's one of them. I've not seen many pissed-off Angry Bear films for a while, but, no, I really enjoyed it. So who was the bear again in this one? Is it Bar- oh. Bar- Barnaby or oh. Bar- Barney the oh. Bear or something? Bart the Bart, Bear. Bart, that's so, yeah, yeah. Which is, um, yeah, class, absolute class all the way through. Yeah, so I was not, um, this wasn't one that I was particularly looking forward to, partly because the title kind of put me off, you know, Into the Grizzly Maze or whatever. I, I've seen it around, I've had it, you know, I've, I've come across it multiple times. Yeah. The poster never grabbed me. But again, I was really uh, very pleasantly surprised. It's, it's a much higher quality production than I'd expected, although I obviously saw that I had a good cast in it. But, you know, the locations and everything are great. But what what pulled me in at the beginning was Bart the Bear gets credited at the start of the film. <laughs> so it said with, and it says with Bart the Bear. And I'm initially thinking, Bart the Bear? Flimineck. I mean, he's been around since the 80s. Uh, and, you know, I'd just watched um, The Great Outdoors recently. Hmm. which was one of his first films. And uh, then he was later in, uh, he was, uh, he, he was in like the edge with Anthony Hopkins and all, all that sort of stuff. Oh, He's yeah. one of the, one of the most well-known. Now what, what, it, cause I was thinking he must be really, really old. Well, what, what the truth is, is that this is Bart the bear too. Ah. So Bart the bear ah. died in 2000 and another bear I'm, I might be, might be a different breed, uh, you know, different type of bear. Um, the original part of the bear was a Kodiak. The he was born in two thousand, so he's he was. Uh, this film was shot in twenty twelve, so he would have been twelve years old at, at the time. And so, what they've done is he was originally called Bart the Bear two. They've now said, well, enough time has gone by. We're just going to call him Bart the Bear, and uh, 
and uh, so that was quite funny because um, Billy Bob Thornton was in On Deadly Ground, which had Bart the Bear in it. And now Billy Bob Thornton's in this <laughs> with Bart the Bear too, who's who's not his son. He's actually it's, he's a cousin of the original Bart the Bear. So I like that. Bart the Bear's great. He does, all his scenes are brilliant. They it it takes it to another. Now, I mean, let's look consider this next to Rogue hmm. that we watched hmm. recently. You know, or, or yeah. Prey, uh, the Dick yeah. Moss film. You know, a CGI creature is kind of what it a CGI animal is what it's at where it's at now. That's what it's generally done to see an actual animal performer in the film just really elevates it and it, it, it makes it feel much more intense there's the um as you say the vision a lot of the effects which are pretty gruesome at times i mean it mm. starts out with yeah. like um massacred bear limbs and stuff and then it's like the bear attacking people obviously those scenes which are all really well done uh, it's mm. the film is directed by david hackle who started off with saw five Mm. And has done things like Life on the Line as well, yeah, which, yeah, so, yeah. which was also a quite well cast ensemble kind of thing. Yeah. Um, his so next his next film as well, um, which is called Dangerous, which is in post production, I believe, uh, also has a very good cast. I mean, you know, say what you will, you know, what your feelings are about Mel Gibson, but you also got Famke Janssen, Kevin mm. Durand in there, Tyrese Gibson, oh, Scott that's, Eastwood. You know, that's really pretty, good. pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah, and this one is, I mean, Saw 5 was not one of the best looking of the Saw films. It was quite cheap looking, grimy. You know, it didn't have a great aesthetic. Uh, I mean, they're all sort of gritting, grimy or whatever, but that, that one looked particularly rough. Um, but this is beautifully shot, um, the kind of wilderness setting. It's, it's. I thought it was funny that we, by coincidence, we all pretty much by coincidence we selected or randomly selected this film to go with the previous two but it's got similarities to both i mean you've got mm. the wrong turn kind of dangerous outdoors kind of setting and then also we've got a mute character in there as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah Piper Bravo is really good in this as well so the wilderness adventure it it starts out kind of full horror and then it kind of becomes more wilderness <laughs> adventure but I didn't yeah. really mind that transition. And the mm. the fact that the CGI is so restrained and only used for sort of enhancements. So like, for example, the bear's bitten someone. So we we see the real bear, but they CGI'd some blood onto him and, and stuff like that. That's, yeah. that's kind of fair enough. But then they have to have a big bear attack moment right at the end. So they go full CG, which looks a bit naff. And uh, the whole ring of fire and, and all, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's... You know, you've got to have a big ending. I mean, that's that's quite funny as well because um, Firestorm. Mm. Has, yeah, that, that was the, just one letdown, wasn't it? That 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 well, the Firestorm at the end kind of thing. Yeah, because kind of back. That feels tonally different in terms of the the way because you've had this such realistic kind of setting and location yeah. or whatever, and then everything goes a bit artificial. And they kind of do the same thing here with, and it's also got Scott Glenn, who's basically playing the same character that he did in that movie. Mm. And uh, so this, uh, so funny. This was originally called De uh, Red Machine. That was the original title, Weird. unusually. Yeah. Um, and it's still known as mm. that in some territories. Mm. It was shot in 2012, but not released until 2015 because it's an independent film. I think it got handed around uh, a bit before yeah. it eventually came out. And I think probably it flies under most people's radar. I mean, I I was aware of it, but I hadn't really bothered with it. I don't think a lot of people have probably seen it, but it's well worth seeing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I think, like you say, I think the strangeness of the name kind of puts it off 
mm-hmm. puts you off it. But once you watch it, it you know the name does make sense, and it's it's, it's well, it's well placed. It I mean, it's, it's it's yeah. it's it's it, again, it's about ninety minutes long, isn't it? It's it's kind of off and running straight away, and there's some nice character development bits along the way. But it, you know, you're never far from the next action or horror you know sort of mm. scene of intense scene it's really good really well done yeah cool. yeah thoroughly enjoyed it um so that is into the grizzly maze uh, it's available on uh, amazon prime so if you remember check it out um we'll put a trailer into the uh footnotes as we usually do as well as the trailers for the other films that we've covered this evening as well as hopkins we'll put the full full film in there as well so thank you for listening thank you to rich and steve for joining me this evening no problem always a pleasure absolutely and happy days guys indeed and we shall see you again soon listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.